Hi folks, it's your host W. Curtis Preston and I wanted to give you some great news. Druva liked my latest O'Reilly book enough to sponsor it and you can get a free copy by just going to druva.com slash podcast. Hope you like it. This week on Druva's No Hardware Required podcast, we'll be talking about the evolution of the cloud. My guests this week are Stephen Manley and David Gildy of Druva. Thanks for joining us. Hi, and welcome to Druva's No Hardware Required podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my favorite CTO, Stephen Manley. How's it going, Stephen? It's going great. You know, I, I, I'm really enjoying today. You know, my, my daughter woke up sick. She's missing online school, which is almost inconceivable to me because she can't get anyone else sick. Uh, and, and I am thrilled to be here talking to you. So I'm not sure what to think about that, Stephen. <laughs> Once again, we have David Gildy, VP of Product at Druva, all the way from Letterkenny, Ireland. How's it going, David? Things are going good. Thank you. Thank you. Dealing with the new normal, much like Stephen, kids, you know, we, we have four Zoom meetings going on at a time here in the house with you know, the podcasts and, and Zoom classes. And my wife is a teacher as well, so she's teaching at the same time. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That, that's that's sort of the heart of what's going on with everybody these days is, all right, the, the, the normal that we were used to isn't working. So how do we adjust? That to me is another just creativity uh, that, that we're seeing. Dave, have, have you seen have you seen the use of the cloud change uh, throughout the COVID world? Yeah, well, I think I think yeah, I suppose both um, directly and indirectly, uh, you know, again, we'd see here is just everyone's in Zoom meetings. So, you know, now my, my kids have Zoom meetings. You know, three or four times a week with friends, cousins, you know, grandparents, etc. Um, you know, and, and we know that Zoom is running primarily on Amazon. And, and you know, thinking about the, the, I think they said they they added something like six thousand new servers a day to their Amazon infrastructure at the start of the pandemic to cater for the load. So, uh, you know, even them on their own have have increased cloud computing globally by by a percentage, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I think this the reliance on it. Um, it, it's one of these things that there's. To your point, Stephen, it's almost like necessity is the mother of invention. It's good to have a forcing factor sometimes to to change things. Uh, like, you know, even learning from home is not something that was ever uh, properly addressed here. And there was always conversations and teachers unions and then pandemic happened and all of a sudden everyone could teach from home and, <laughs> and you know, it just works. Um, so, you know, and it's similar to cloud stuff as well. Uh, everyone working from home has had to force people to, um, to look at things they didn't have to look at previously. Uh, and, you know, now it's as easy to, to to use cloud services. Everyone is getting comfortable with it. So, yeah, I think it's it's um, there's some positives to be taken out of, of what is a pretty poor situation. Cloud Ranger has been out for like six years. You were seeing the, the it evolve. Is how, how did you see that even before COVID? Yeah, you know, the, the, there's a couple of things. When I started off in the cloud first, it was it was it was you know the, those early adopters. Uh, I remember working into a couple of projects like we helped. Um, uh, you know, as an example, a bank um, that was moving entirely to Amazon uh, and we were building the entire uh, network infrastructure for them, DNS, et cetera. Um, and we, we found out that the bank had agreed to actually shut off their entire data center at 12 o'clock you know, on the particular night that we're working and no one realized. Um, so the bank was going out of business that night. So we had to, we got into a 12 hour phone call um, we, with about 40 people, including the CTO of the bank. Uh, and, and we built pretty much their entire network uh, and DNS uh, in the Amazon console already for the bank to operate the next morning. Um, wow. So 
things like that happen, which which you know I can't imagine happening today because people are now more comfortable and it's now uh, they're more used to you know the cloud is not some kind of magical place. It is effectively just another place that your servers live. You still need to have processed. You still need to have people training technology. You know you need you need all the the same components that you've always needed. Um, so you've less of those kind of uh, those kind of stories. That was that was a that was some some night. I, I finished at like eight o'clock in the morning after that. So that was a uh, that was a fun time. Um, so hopefully no more of those things happen. Um, and it's getting to the stage where customers are, you know, we see this kind of consolidation where customers have, you, know, you used to have like a developer doing something in Amazon here and another one over in some other department doing something else. And, and then a CFO, you know, sees all these credit card bills for Amazon huh. and says, let's, let's just kind of merge this into one. And all of a sudden they realize they actually have, you know, this shadow IT infrastructure of, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month and, and someone needs to put some controls in that. So, you know, it, it's, it's still slower than I expected, to be honest. I, you know, six years ago, I was moving so fast. I thought, you know, the cloud is going to overtake everything and, and be be the greatest thing to ever happen to IT. Uh, everyone will be using it and be really good at it. Uh, but it, it's it's slower. The overall journey, I think, is slower than I expected. I think larger enterprises are slow in how they move sometimes. So, um, you know, while there's been huge progress, uh, I, I expect us to be further down the road, I think, um, than we are at the moment in terms of cloud progression and, and our companies have adopted it. How about how about on the other side? So so there's the adoption part. Do you think cloud has lived up to what you thought you'd see in terms of the the functionality, the ease of use, the security, all those sorts of things? Is it is it further than where you thought it would be? Not as far along. Uh, how do you evaluate that? And, and and what do you think are the sort of the big big items that get need to get knocked down to to, to have cloud adoption? Uh, yeah, expand even further. I, I think uh, it's a great question. I think it, it, they're probably opposites. I think functionality is probably further than expected. Um, you know, I, I um, you know, I'm continually surprised by how fast the likes of Amazon moves uh, and how quickly they release functionality and how quickly they, you know, bring out these brand new services. Um, I would have expected at this stage that they maybe would have gone more into SaaS products because they've built out. You know, uh, they've built out the entirety of you know the infrastructure and, and platform as a service, and I think there's a huge gap gap there for actually building SaaS products on top of that. Now that they have this massive infrastructure, um, but I think they're probably wary of getting into competition with, you know, all of these companies who run on Amazon. You know, so I'd love to see Amazon build a CRM as an example, but they're probably not going to do that because Salesforce is giving them half a billion dollars a year uh, to run stuff on on Amazon. But I think there's, I think that I would have expected to see you know more more SaaS products by Amazon on their infrastructure. Uh, I think the security piece is probably a little bit further back than I would have um, hoped to see. Uh, and I think that largely, I mean, we, we did a podcast recently uh, with some of the Amazon architects on the well-architected framework and, and security is one of the pillars. And I think one of the challenges that people face is there's, there's just so much to keep your, to get your head around. There's, there's, um, there's so many unknown unknowns and that is a huge problem because you don't know where you're exposed. It's one thing if you know that you know, I have to look after my firewalls and there's gaps there. But if I, you know, don't know that I'm responsible for that firewall, that that's a huge problem. Um, and that that's, so I think the security is probably further back than I would have uh, hoped to see. The customers don't have a good enough grip on that. Um, but the likes of functionality, I think is probably further ahead than, than where I expected it to be. I think they have evolved a bit in terms of helping customers to do the right thing from a security perspective. So it just, just one example, things like, it's really hard now to create an open S3 bucket, right? Mm -hmm. it, it used to be the default, 
right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to really go out of your way to try to create an open S3 bucket at this point, right? Uh, and, and I think they've done that in a, in a lot of other areas of the of the product. Have, have you seen that? Uh, absolutely, it's a great point. I mean, I think they've just been they've seen so many uh, areas where customers have been exposed, and it partially is, I think, down to this, this you know the shared responsibility model that Amazon um, really pushed, which is you know they're going to look after the infrastructure, the platform, uh, OS updates, uh, you know, on, on the services that underlie all that, and that you're responsible for the configuration of everything on top of that. Um, but what they realize is you know, we give people lots of options and they don't understand is that they're going to make a lot of mistakes. And I think that's right, the right. point. People created S3 buckets not realizing that this is actually public and open to the internet. Anyone can access it. So they, they had to start um, being a bit of a nanny, you know, and then kind of um, putting things in place to stop, you know, putting the guardrails to stop customers hurting themselves, you know. Um, and, and we're seeing that more and more, you know, building more tools. You know, they are, they are doing a good job. A lot of it is reactive to problems that have, have arisen. You know, like customers exposing their data, so they have to put services in place to tell you that you've uh, your your S three buckets are open, um, and and the well architected framework I think is another really good step to help customers educate themselves uh, as to your security posture. But I think there's just there's just such a scale. I mean, if you look at permissions for IM, it hasn't yet, but there's got to be a hundred thousand different IM permissions that you could have uh, across Amazon at this stage, which is an incredible amount and, and I, i've been in situations so many times with customers and it's like change this permission doesn't work change this permission doesn't work change this one doesn't work okay just give it admin and it works and then then you know great um you know it, but that would have certainly you know when i was working as a consultant six seven eight years ago that was definitely the case um, so hopefully that that's improved but um you know with that level of complexity you're bound to create problems you're, you're, you're going to hurt yourself um, when you don't understand the the full the full picture so so, so that makes me you know think because certainly as i i play in cloud you know, security and networking are the two where my head sort of explodes every time i try to think through all the issues <laughs> um in in terms of the roles of of people who are doing you know, sort of managing cloud, right? So, so we used to have this IT infrastructure team, and there was the storage team, and the backup team, and the networking team, and the, you know, the database team, you know, the DBAs, and you know, we had we had all those functions, right? And and then we had the silos, and everybody blamed everybody else, and 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 that was that was that was an awesome world to live in. Um, in the in the cloud, it's supposed to be different. So so how do the job functions play in the cloud? Who, what skill sets are, are becoming more important in the cloud? Which which things are are sort of getting automated away? Do you have a picture of, of kind of what what that what that job and what that group like looks like when we go to the cloud? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think certainly security is one that will probably never ever go away, and it'll just get more and more important. And that's just you know, so you still have security problems. Obviously, the, the surface area for attack changes greatly because of all the services you have on Amazon. So, you know, the, in the data center, you had your data center. You had, you know, you had a fairly defined surface area for attack. Uh, everything running, of, you know, a VMware, a VM, that was it. Whereas you go to Amazon, you're dealing with 180 services that have different needs, different levels of public accessibility or not. And that becomes a far bigger problem. So I think, you know, security is definitely one that's going to continue. But in terms of how, how we've seen it evolve, I mean, I've seen... It's examples of, of the good and bad. If thinking about the bad, uh, I know a particular company I used to work for who, who liked building data centers and were building them as recently as, as probably four years ago. Um, but for their internal IT system who didn't want to move on to Amazon, uh, we I used to 
used to sell them effectively educational services, which was Amazon account reselling, because uh, the internal IT in this very large company wouldn't allow them to use Amazon. So they had to, the people had to actually, you know, go around um, different routes to try and get access to Amazon services. Um, but when they eventually brought on board, they kept all the roles the same. Um, if you wanted a VPC set up, you had to go through the same process, which took about three weeks to get a VPC created. Or if you were creating a you know a web server with a SQL server, you went through the same DBA process for the for the SQL server. Um, it was maybe a three to four week process. It was going to cost you maybe three thousand dollars a month for your uh, internal dollars for your um, your EC2 instance and your SQL server, regardless of the size. So they just made everything the exact same on the cloud as they had in the data center. So there was literally no changing in rules, and everyone that was there was happy, except everyone who had to use all of this. Um, but I think the companies that do really well realize that there, there is significant change and people have to reskill. They have to learn more about the cloud. Um, security is always going to be there, but new ones are cropping up like machine learning. Um, I think that's driving. Amazon has done, done a great job of, kind of democratizing machine learning and AI as well. So we're seeing a lot more skill sets required for that. So I think people are starting to transition and starting to become more, um, more generalist across Amazon services and also then specialists in the likes of machine learning and security. But the backup admin, I don't think is, you know, uh, is going to transition too well. Their backup is required, I suppose, as you get to very large comp companies, that it makes sense to have a person or a team who specializes in managing this, using a tool like, you know, um, in Cloud Ranger or, or Phoenix you know, from the Druva suite to help manage that. Um, so, you know, there is there is the tools in place, and having one person in a very large company, it, it definitely makes sense to have have those people there. But they need to reskill. They need to understand the different uh, the different environments that things are running in. You need somebody who will focus and, and just sort of make sure things are happening in each of those disciplines, one of them being backup. Mm -hmm. What what I think has happened in the cloud and in the data center over the last at least 10 years, I'd say for, for the first 10, 15 years of my career, backup did nothing but get harder, mm -hmm. right? It, it just, it just the, the, the role of tape really got it, it basically got in the way of good backups for a long time. But over the last say 10 years, I'd say backup has gotten easier and easier, you know, to the point that you eventually have a service, for example, like Druva, where you can you 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 just need somebody who understands, you know, the, the user interface yeah. of Druva, which is not that hard to understand. You don't need someone who understands the detailed physics of a tape drive and how best to cajole that tape drive into performing, yeah. you know, optimally, right? So you, you still need somebody to care about backups, but I don't, I don't think, you know, anymore, if you have a modern data protection system, and especially if you have one that's a service, you don't need that specialized person uh, to, to be looking at it 24 by yeah, seven. So I have a question for you actually just on that. One thing I've seen in terms of the evolution is, is and I don't know if this was, was this the same in the data center, but compliance playing a far bigger role in, in having visibility of what backup and disaster recovery is happening in the cloud. Uh, you know, we have far more interactions than I you know, initially would have expected. Or we're certainly seeing more and more where decisions are being driven by the compliance team, a legal team effectively who, who, who don't have, you know, who don't have any IT knowledge, but want to get access to the backup systems, want to understand what's happening and are driving the decisions um, quite significantly. Is that always the case in data centers as well? I mean, I don't know. If, data center experience on YouTube. I can only speak from my experience. I will say that compliance was the number one reason we did backups 25 years ago, right? I, I worked at a bank, I worked at a credit card company 
And we were constantly worried about, uh, it's called the OCC in the US, the Office of Controller of Currencies. And they could come in and they could, they could look at what we were doing from a data protection perspective. And if they didn't like what, we could, what they saw, they could tell us we could no longer be a bank. I, I think for many companies, uh, compliance is, or has driven their backup design. But I think the likes of GDPR and CCPA um, have driven it to more companies because part of GDPR is that you have to protect that data. And so you, I think you maybe have a longer list of companies who have compliance pushing their backup design. What do you, what do you think, Stephen? It's been interesting to me because I think there's, there's sort of been a bimodal, uh, a, a bimodal approach to, to backup. Um, again, if, if, if we look at things like snapshots, part of the appeal to snapshots was it was something for the user or the app owner, you know, somebody who needed to urgently get their data back. And they weren't driven by compliance. They were driven by their own productivity, their own needs, that sort of thing. And then, and then the other mode is exactly where you're going is, but then we just need backups and, and we need them you know, to, to follow the 321 format and we've got to have the right retention period. And, and in a lot of organizations, there was tension between those, those two things between, yeah, I've got to meet compliance, but you know, a lot of the times the way we met compliance wasn't very user-friendly in terms of the people we were trying to serve if they wanted to actually get their data back. And, and one of the things I, I find interesting in cloud, uh, and, and to your point over things getting easier over the last 10 years, is I think there's a real effort and an opportunity to, to actually bring those together so it's not sort of this chasm between the regulatory requirements and what my end users need. Um, because I, because ultimately, I, I, I feel like we'd have missed something if we, if we perpetuate that kind of divide between the requirements and the organization uh, when we get this this new start in the cloud. So I'm hoping we finally bring those together. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, it, it could have been just by, I suppose, the evolution of Amazon as well, where they started off you know, back in the day was was building the services, and then as they start to be adopted by more enterprises. You know, enterprises ask for compliance functionality and, and a compliance push of what was happening. So Amazon started choosing more and I, I started to, to see it more as well. All right. Well, I think we've covered this topic enough and I uh, want to thank once again our, our visitor from Ireland. Thanks, David. Absolutely. Good to be here. And my visitor from the Bay Area. Steve. <laughs> Great to be here. And and, and hey, if, if there's one thing I learned on this podcast uh, and, and the, the one previous to it, and it's something we say all the time, by the way, is cloud's coming. You know, you know, everything David walked through, that's that's happening and it's going to keep happening. And so uh, it, it's really incumbent on everybody to to get their heads wrapped around this stuff because you can't avoid it. This is this is where the world's headed. And what I learned was everything old is new again. With that, uh, thanks to the listeners for listening. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a podcast. And remember here at Druva, there's always no hardware required.